The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. After today, there'll be 23 corners in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I'm not like any one of them because I couldn't be. I didn't get the chance to play with this guy named Deion Sanders, but he was a prototype for me. What Jordan is to Kobe is prime to Reeves eyes. My quarterback, all of them, 20. Yes, I block for more different starting quarterbacks than any player in NFL history. What an honor. Thank you. Buffalo, New England, and New York Jeffers. Hold on. I got a couple for you. Despite all the things you screamed at me, threw at me, and did to me, don't tell anybody this. I really enjoyed it. Just a little bit of the sound from Saturday as the New Hall of Fame class was officially inducted into Canton. For Joe Thomas, the idea that he blocked for more quarterbacks than anyone in history, it's not an honor. No. It's a sad statement of the Browns franchise during his time. No more talent was wasted in league history than a guy who we agreed last week would be an upper room guy for a team that's been down in the dumps, or at least was, for the entirety of his career. And good morning. Good morning. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it it is. It's crazy. That's the crazy thing about the sport of football, and that's the maybe the positive thing about being a left tackle in the sport of football, right? Where, hey, football, for the most part, if you get stuck on a bad team, it's hard to see how good that player is. There's a few positions. Wide receiver, oh, all right, we see how good he is. Doesn't matter what the team is, right? I mean, for the most part, we could tell. Left tackle's another one. Defense ends another one where it's not always team predicated. You can get yours, put up your stats, and you're right. It was wasted. 
it's it's unfortunate that he got stuck in that team during that era. Uh, but man, we, like Devin McCourty said in our show Thursday night, he was the the pillar of the franchise there. And phenomenal football player. All these guys, that was what the cool thing about the class, Mike. They all had like little obstacles they had to overcome, whether it was where they were drafted. It wasn't like the anointed king class, right? It was kind of the young scrap, the scrapper class. And I thought that was one of, one of the things that at least came to my mind as I was sitting there watching. By the way, I'm told that Joe Thomas was apparently joking, proving yet again that comedy is hard. And nevertheless, I guess the choice is you didn't know he was joking. I mean, you watched Seinfeld and you didn't know he was joking. You thought that was real. You thought that was real. Come on, Mike. Damn, I I wasn't really (laughs) paying all that close attention until I heard the words. So I didn't take in the full delivery. Uh, it's early. I'm tired. Lay off yeah. me. I'm starting. Join the club. So, I'm very tired. Uh, <laughs> oh, you look tired. I, I saw a picture of you. I have spies everywhere. Uh-oh. Somebody sent me a picture of you. Blue polo shirt, button to the top, short sleeve, shorts, cup of Pepsi, talking to Donald Penn. They have that for the you did yeah yeah you scouted me out like serious you had a private investigator there I I first off as as you know and you watch like it's hot as hell there sitting on they got to do something about that it's a great event being there for the enshrinement do it at night well yeah do it at night like they used to it's really hard on the guests of the you know enshrinees that that's where it's harder on them than anything and 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 it's you know what I would say is it's not a great look for TV because. You know, hey, Darrell Rivas, he went, right? And most of his, you know, group left after he was done because there's only so long you can sit out there in the 90-degree sun before you just are like, holy cow, we need a break here. So, yeah, I would I would hope they could find something out there, Mike. But, yeah, I, had a, I hadn't ordered a big gulp of Pepsi, and I don't know how long. It was mostly ice, but I was trying to do anything I could to not sweat through my shirt and look like Donald Penn because I'm sure the picture you saw, Donald Penn was sweating through his shirt, my old left tackle in Tampa. <laughs> I still don't understand the programming decision. It used to be at night, and they moved it to night because it was too hot during the day. But – at night, I, I don't I don't understand it. It right. went on too long. See, the problem has always been they have very loose rules on how long these guys can talk, and they don't enforce them. The thing on Saturday went on for, what, four-plus hours? Around there. So they have rules that they don't enforce. Guys talk as long as they want, and I've heard people argue, well, let them enjoy their moment. They can talk as long as they want. Look, if it's going to be a TV show, you can't just say, let these guys talk as long as they want. Do that. You got to tighten it up. Yep. You got to keep it simple. If it's going to be a TV show, if it's not a TV show, then do it at night. Make it a dinner that everyone is sitting there rolling their eyes, waiting for the damn thing to get over. I mean, that's the reality of any situation like this. No one is going to remember what is said. It's the act of delivering it. It's the ability to stand there and take in your moment. But it doesn't have to last 20 minutes. Your moment can last five minutes. You can take the time and craft something that delivers one or two. I mean, think about it. Any speech, if you get people to remember one thing you said, you're doing pretty damn yeah, well. that's right. If you get to two, 
Right, you're Mussolini if you get to two. I don't know why I said Mussolini. Say, but you is he a good to, speech giver? Damn, two, I didn't know that. I don't know. <laughs> they all just yelled and screamed, right? That was the advice that Jim gave to Dwight. Just pound on the table and yell and scream. Blood alone moves the wheels of history. But, but just yeah. And so that's that's the th- it's like a little kid's birthday party. Everybody's there for his benefit, and nobody remembers anything about it except the kid. And even then, he's so hepped up on sugar, he doesn't remember any of it either. So I, I, I've always had kind of a thing about it. And frankly, frankly, since Shireen Williams of PFT is one of the Hall of Fame voters, and she's kind of into this, she'll go, she'll post the items about the speeches and. I can just wait and watch the highlights if there are any later. I don't have to suffer through it anymore. It has freed up a day that otherwise would have been spent four hours listening to a bunch of speeches that, if they're lucky, I remember one thing they said. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I hear you. I, they, they could certainly clean it up, make it a little more concise for TV, for the people, like you're saying, in the middle of the day where it's hot as hell and you're stuck out in the sun there like that. I mean, yeah, it was, thank God some people around me had some sunscreen and stuff like that, but uh, still a cool event there. It was, and, and it was a great, I had a great time, Mike. I just can't tell you how much, how much fun I had seeing old people that I had not seen from that first five, six, seven years of my career, Mike. I mean that, and then, then throw it on top. Um, the Glazier family threw an unbelievable party for Rondé Barber. They did. I mean, they did it big, and it was a lot of fun, Mike. But it was, yeah, it was like a blast from the past. I almost felt like this dream was a weekend. You know, hanging out with Donald Penn, who I hadn't seen forever. Mike Allstott, Warren Sapp, right? You know, Dwight Smith, my old buddy, who's the DB and two pick sixes in the Super Bowl. And then we had, like, some live entertainment that was amazing. I got to see Brad Johnson. I mean, it was sad. It was one of those where you see people and you hadn't seen them so long and they were such a big part of your life. Like, yeah, I had to fight back tears a lot through the night. My wife, she couldn't even fight them back. So, uh, you know, since you're going to be Mussolini Dr. Doom over here, I'm trying to give some love back to the event over here. Over here. <laughs> What, uh, what, what? How was Sap? How was Sap? That was great. He was great. He was full of energy, as always, as you know, you know, walking around, talking, being loud. You know, I didn't get to talk to him as much as I would have liked to, right? Because uh, one thing, Sap, you know, he, he pays attention to everything going on in football. He does. So he's always fun to talk to that way. But, yeah, he was, he was great. He really was. And a lot of them looked really good. And, you know, like I said, it was a good party. They had Russ and CeeLo. Russ is kind of a cool hip-hop, uh, re- very relevant right now. And then CeeLo Green, you know, was uh, the, the next act during the party, Mike. So it was, uh, it was a really good time, and it was very well done by the Buccaneers and the Glaziers. CeeLo Green milking that one hit with your favorite word in the title, more than a decade after that song was popular. Gotta love the hustle. Gotta love the hustle. He hustled. CeeLo Green. Yeah. Um, John Gruden floating around anywhere? Well, you know, you, you your article, or what What did I see? Your article on Friday, what was that, Thursday or Friday, where you said he was going to, you know, continue working with the Saints and all that. When I saw that, I was like, wow, I guess maybe Gruden's not going to come, or is he going to come in that night? And no, never saw him. Uh, and I don't think he was there. I, I don't think he was, at least. He wasn't at the ceremony, didn't see him at the party, but uh, no, didn't didn't see him. And of course, he was a huge part. But Monty Kiffin, 
right? The old defensive coordinator, of course, Coach Dungy, Derek Brooks. I mean, it, the names go on and on for guys that, you know, I was very fortunate to play. I got lucky. I got a shamrock up my butt as far as being around Hall of Fame players, being on that team there. You know, I got to be with Brian Dawkins toward the end of my career, Ty Law, Champ Bailey. You know, I was very, very, very lucky. The Kevin Mawai, right? So I've gotten lucky to be around some Hall of Famers and see how it's done and see how it's done the right way. Shamrock up your butt and spleen out of your gut. I yeah, mean, maybe, that is yeah. definitely a positive outlook <laughs> yeah. on a career that almost had you die on the field. But that's great. It's great that you had a good time. I'm glad you hung around for it. We yep. missed you on Friday as you were up in Cleveland at the Motel 6 by the lake, uh, <laughs> roughing it with origami sheets and a ladder that you had to climb to get into your shower. <laughs> Not only do you have to climb up, you have to climb back down to get into the shower. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, apparently, I- I'm told that Rondé said that Monty Kiffin could never properly pronounce Rondé's name. I don't know what Monty Kiffin actually used as an alternative to Rondé, uh, but apparently he couldn't get it right. Oh, well, yeah, Monty Kiffin is an all-timer. And when, you know, he... He kind of he kind of talks like this. He'd be like, "What the hell are we doing out here, Randy? Randy, what are you doing, Randy?" That's how he talks. Like I know you can't even believe that that like an unbelievable macho defensive coordinator who commands like people like Warren Sapp and all that. But that's really kind of how he talks right there, especially when he would get amped up. And instead of Randy, it sounded like Randy, Randy, Randy. Right. So that was uh, always kind of an ongoing joke uh, in the, in the facility. But yeah, some legends, Mike. I mean, I was really, you know, uh, when you think about not only some of the players as three Hall of Famers on that defense that I got to be around, you know, uh, and and then the coaches off of that, you know, Mike Tomlin, Raheem Morris, Monty Kiffin is a legend, Rod Marinelli. You know, guys that, like we talk about, they're, they're not, you know, Mike Tomlin will, but some other guys who might not get in the Hall of Fame that are legends of the sport that certainly had a big mark and impact on, on my life. I assume Tomlin was not able to make it over. Was he, was he there? I think he was there the Friday night for the gold jacket ceremony, as I, as I was told. Uh, he was there for that, and then I think, you know, got out of town and got back to, to coaching the Steelers. The gold jacket ceremony is a pretty compelling event. I was there one time for that, the year that Shereen Williams won what is now the Bill Nunn Award. And uh, to see them officially get welcomed into the club, they walk through the gauntlet of the other Hall of Famers. They all have their gold jackets on. They get their gold jackets. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good moment when you see all those guys, all those greats of the game in one place at one time as yeah. the center of attention, not just guys who are sitting on the stage, right. but as the cluster at the center of the spotlight. That's a pretty good night. That's better, frankly, better than the Saturday event. Yeah, I, it, it does. It looks cool. You know, it, it, I haven't really ever watched that. I always see kind of highlights and whatever else of it. But, uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe they can find a blend of that and the, the ceremony and figure out how to make it a little more conducive to television and, you know, make it work that way. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little tired. It was a rough tr- – I mean, it's pouring here today. Pouring rain. You know, I had lots of drinks this weekend, of course. Drinky, drinky, smoky, smoky, old friends, staying up late. Um, so I wasn't exactly wide awake when the alarm went off this morning. I don't 
I don't think it's legal in Ohio. Well, you know, when you know people, you when home. you know people, <laughs> you got to have connections, okay there, Mussolini? I'll, I'll teach you a few, all right, one day? When, <laughs> when, we, when we return to Ohio next year, oh, wait, you got two years. Hopefully the statute of limitations <laughs> runs by then because they'll have the warrant ready for you. <laughs> Thank you. Now that you have confessed <laughs> to violation of the Ohio cannabis laws. I was going to ask you one more question. I can't remember what it is now. Oh, I was going to make one more observation. Yeah. Of all these years that I've been complaining about how that Saturday ceremony is so much longer than it needs to be, it's like they consult no one from the TV world about how to make a good TV show. It's just we're yeah. going to do it the way we've always done it, and that's the way we're going to do it, and we're not going to do anything to improve it. We're just going to do it the way we've always done it. They put no thought into it. They just do it the way they've always done it. And at some point, if they want this thing to be memorable, if they want this thing to attract attention, if it wants to be ready to go back to prime time, they need to get somebody who knows what they're doing when it comes to TV production and come up with something that fits today's age. This is the same ceremony they've been doing for 60 years. Yeah. At some point, they need to adapt it to the way we consume information. Right. They wonder why nobody 18 to 34 gives a crap about it. They're like, what is this? I'm going to sit here and well, listen too to this long. old You're guy right. talk for 20 minutes? Right. I can't listen to him for 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I Listen, I, you know, we're, you and I, we, we, we push the envelope on what we say about the NFL, but we only want it because we want it to be better. You know, we're, we're the ultimate fans, the ultimate love for the sport. And I'm with you. Like, even, you know, I got friends texting me why they're watching, you know, and they're the same thing. Well, I mean, this is this too long. I had to, I had to tune it off, you know. I'm going to try to catch Rondé later, whatever. It just is – it is. It's a little bit of a long of long event. And, you know, like you're saying, they got to make it like the ESPYs, like the Oscars. Try to do something that way where it's an event for television and a little bit more buttoned up and professional that way where you're – where you're what you're saying. It's moving and it works for the audience and works with the audience on TV too. And I understand it's their moment. But if it's a moment no one gives a crap about, is it really a moment? That's really the question. If no one watches it, if no one cares, if no one is engaged, if, yeah. if everyone valid. wants to turn the channel or walk out as soon as their person has said their speech, is it really a moment worth anything? So let's change the moment and make it more worthwhile and impactful for everyone, for the person in the moment and for those of us who are witnessing the moment. Because right now, it's a lot of wasted moments when they do it the way they do it. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm trying to make it better. I've been trying to make yeah, it no, better for 20 saying. years. I was saying the same thing. I know you are. I know you are. I, I, I don't doubt that at all. You're right. We want to, because you want to sit down like me and watch it and just go, man, I didn't waste the whole day watching it, you know, but yet I, I got to watch it, got to see it, you know, paid homage to these NFL legends and stars and yeah, it was cool, but you know, nonetheless, it was cool seeing all the Hall of Famers there the whole weekend, just seeing everybody, you know, and some trickle by the party and all that. Where you know, I don't know if they have to get out and show their face, whatever. But it was uh, really great little, you know, blast from the past, seeing a lot of people in the football world that I hadn't seen in a long time, and it was a whole lot of fun. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I had a Thanks, good weekend Slugger. because we don't have many left before we are into the blender week in and week out. We got a taste of it last week in Canton. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday had the pregame show on Thursday night. That was a lot of fun. And now we've got a little bit of a break before it all starts, but there is no break in the NFL. The news continues to come. The preseason games start this week. And yes, Browns Jets counts, but it's just the extra little bit on the end before we get to the three weeks of the preseason games. 
Let's pivot to one of the teams that will be a focal point this year and for years to come as long as Joe Burrow is the starting quarterback. Last we heard from Zach Taylor, coach of the Bengals. Burrow is out for several weeks with a hamstring. No, a calf injury, excuse me. And Taylor was quick to point out that several weeks means several weeks. Jamar Chase, Bengals star receiver, has some advice for Joe Burrow as it relates to rushing to get himself back for that week one game against the Cleveland Browns. Here's what Chase had to say about Burrow's situation. I told him, and with all honesty, I don't want him there. You, you don't want him to play week I one. Same thing with me and my um, last year. You want him year. week 20 for uh, exactly, the championship game. Exactly, you know what I'm saying? And I set out an extra game just to let my hip all the way heal up. And, you know, you don't want to cause no other problems later on in the season. You know, I told him, as long as you're there after week five and on, you know, we're good, brother. Are what did he say big, to that? I'm sorry. Go, what did, go, did he did he respond to that? I mean, he just told me, you know, he's going to see how he feels when the time comes. You know, he, he doesn't know when he'll be back, but, you know, he'll be back soon. And, you know, what time will do? I just want him to be 100% healthy to play. I don't want him rushing nothing. I don't want people in his ear telling him to play at a certain time. I just want him to be healthy. And that's not me telling him to play this certain game. It's just that's me saying be healthy when you're back, 100% healthy. And you're talking about the regular season. You're not just talking about preseason? He shouldn't see the field during preseason. So. Would this team be okay? Do you think if, if he did miss time in the regular season? Nobody wants him out. He's talking about, I mean, we'd be okay as long as he's there for the end of the season. You know what I'm saying? We're worried about the, the bigger picture, not the small picture here. That's what we're trying to win. So, you know what I'm saying? As long as he comes in around the season that we need him, then we're going to be okay. Are you speaking from experience a little bit too? Because you could have come back, what, that Tennessee game last year where you wanted to do the one extra Exactly. Game. I gave myself an extra game to heal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't rush nothing. I made sure I was ready to be back. Even though I felt good the, the week before, I just told him I didn't want to play. You know what I'm saying? Just to give myself and my body the, the rest that it needs. You know what I'm saying? You got to be an athlete and be on top of stuff like that. Man, well said okay. right there. Well I said. I get what he's saying. Yeah. I get what he's saying, yeah. right? Right. But, but yeah. there yeah. won't be a postseason if Joe Burrow's not there for sufficient games that they lose that they don't get in. If they're in the NFC, hey, show up week 14 and we'll be fine. You're in the <laughs> AFC where every team other than the Texans and maybe the Raiders is a contender where you will be left in the dust by the Ravens, by maybe the Steelers or the Browns. And good luck getting the one seed and getting a week off if your starting quarterback misses the first few weeks of the season. And I, I was trying to read into what, Jamar Chase was saying he mentioned week five at some point. Like, does he know something we don't about how severe this is that he could possibly miss five weeks? But I'm looking at the schedule. You got the Browns in Cleveland right yep. out of the gates. Right. It's on the screen. I'm looking at it on my computer. It's against. like, duh, it's yeah. right on the screen. There's the first five games, and then they have a bye week seven. So they go six games, and then they have their bye week. Where and when and how does he show up if he doesn't show up week one at Cleveland, and that week five, when Jamar Chase said week five, that's when I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, maybe several weeks means a couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't I, – week five, I would be a little surprised by, but, you know, missing a game, um, you know, maybe getting there for week two, uh, th that's where I kind of would have, you know, time-framed it. Like we said last week, when it's a – when it's – a two to three week injury, they say two to three weeks. When it's several weeks, I don't know. In NFL world, that means like four to seven. So, you know, I think that's what we're looking at here right now. 
You know, Jamar Chase makes a lot of great points. He does. In the NFL, there is a problem with people being rushed back too quickly. I think I've told you before, it's one of the things I always admired about New England, right? I had been there, and people would get healthy, and when they were healthy and, hey, I could play this week, Bill Belichick was amazing. No, nah, we're just going to let you practice and get one more week in football shape. You know, so you don't get, you know, a little, you're just a little, whoa, this is fast. Whoa, this is a little uncomfortable, right? Because you haven't been out there. So the, the point Jamar Chase is trying to make is real. And as you know, like we talked about last week, the calf injury is one you got to be delicate with. But the big point is what you said. Exactly right. I mean, that's where I was going with this, right? I mean, the Bengals are very good. We know that. Are they so good, though, that they can find another way for five weeks without Joe Burrow to win football games and we can come out and go, hey, they're 3-2 and two and they're 4-1? and one? I'm not sure about that. If they had some groundbreaking run game or I could sit there and go, well, man, they're so balanced in the way they run the ball and their defense, they might be able to do it. But it's the 25th-ranked run, run team in football last year. So i got to see that first to believe it. They're, they're predicated on what we gush about all year last year, right? Burrow, execution, execution, unbelievable throws, and then that every now and then slippery son of a you know, gun gets out of the pocket or makes a play or does whatever there. So that's where that's the point, and I'm with you in that it's the AFC. It's the AFC North. You start out two and three or something like that, you might not be able to get back into the race this year. I think that's too dicey. I think you're spot on there, Mike. Trevor Simeon yeah. is the guy who would play if Joe Burrow cannot, backed up by Jake Browning. They added Reed Sinnott right after the Burrow injury happened. And, look, we've seen Trevor Simeon be the starter in Denver. He was actually the guy that no one expected to take over once Brock Osweiler and Peyton Manning were both gone. He's had his day. He's had his time. He had his Skittles gig. I remember him making the rounds at the Super Bowl after his one year as the yeah, Broncos starter. Right. He's a backup now. He's not a starter for a reason. And, you know, Chris, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction All right. Right? because we saw the photos yesterday of Carson Wentz out there with his Eagles helmet, his <laughs> commander's practice jersey, and his, and his cold, cold shorts. shorts, and he's waiting for the phone to ring. I mean, if there's any chance I don't have Joe Burrow for the first month of the season, maybe I am trying to hold it together with Carson Wentz, not Trevor Simeon. Well, I, I mean, Carson Wentz gives you a bigger upside. You know, Carson Wentz can also give you some turnovers and some craziness too, right? You know, that, that's tough. And for a guy that's kind of like that, I don't know if you trust him to come in and run that offense and do all that stuff right away. You know, he's not uh, what I would say, you know, your, your typical West Coast quarterback, not like Joe Burrow, right? But yes, as far as talent, top end talent, what we've seen him do, he's definitely better than Trevor Simeon. You know, Trevor Simeon's been in this offense. He's a true West Coast guy, so he fits it that way. But, yeah, there's, you know, we know what Trevor Simeon is. He, he's a solid backup, but nothing more than that. And this is a team where, you know, it's about Burrow getting them in the right play. And they're not necessarily, over like, oh, unbelievably complicated, but they just know how to get to the right play against the right coverage, and then they execute phenomenally off of that and Burrow of course is you know a sniper I mean he's deadly back there as far as accuracy and then just having that little inkling of what we talk about of just going you know hey I like the play over here but I got Chase over here and I got I got a matchup and I'm just gonna play my guy versus his guy a little bit 
Uh, and yeah, I, I don't see Trevor Simeon quite executing the offense to that degree, but I don't know if I would trust Carson Wentz to come in in this situation either, Mike. That's a tough one. Well, and I'm looking at the list of available veteran quarterbacks on spotrack.com. You've got Carson Wentz, and there he is in yep. his Eagles, Commanders, Colts gear. Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, Chase Daniel, Bryce Perkins, EJ Perry, and Tim Demerat, of whom I have never heard. Cam Newton is also out there. Hell, Cam Newton may be more suited. I don't know. I don't know. Just somebody who can come in with starter experience and some sort of an upside who could try to hold this thing together while Joe Burrow gets healthy if Jamar Chase is trying to send some message that several weeks means into the regular season. And it's not just week one. Maybe it is week two, week three, week four. And, you know, the urgency, Chris, is going to ramp up if they should lose in Cleveland with Trevor Simeon and then lose at home to the Baltimore Ravens. If you would start off 0-2, you talk about that every year. It, yeah, yeah, you lose week one, okay. You go to 0-2, uh-oh, the urgency starts to crank up a little bit. And then that third game, wait, 0-3? How are we going to come back from 0-3? Especially in the AFC. So I, I, uh, I agree with the concept. Right, right. And regardless of how much time Joe Burrow misses, he should not play until he's 100% with those soft tissue injuries. When you think they're healthy and you try to go full acceleration, they grab and you have a, a relapse and you got an issue all over again. So they do have to wait until he's ready. But I wouldn't be nonchalant about the idea of him walking through the door week five. It could be exactly. you have dug a hole that is going to be very tough to get right. out of if he doesn't show up until week five. Right. I mean, hey, look, Mike, they started out 0-2 last year, and we worried about them to a degree, right? Let alone walk into week five and you haven't played or done anything. And then just to think Joe Burrow's going to jump back on the bike and be like, you know, the master Harley-Davidson rider right off the bat and just be the man doing that, that's going to be hard like we saw last year. He didn't get a chance to practice. He threw five picks in the first game. We talked about that last week. You know, the second game against the Cowboys, it was not his best football. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, you know, magic Joe Burrow like we've seen. So, yeah, it, hey, this, this AFC North is real. Uh, we know the AFC is real. And knowing Joe Burrow, right, and you you know you know him by seeing him enough on TV. I'm not saying I'm best buddies with him or anything, but just knowing him, being around him a little, knowing that type of guy, he's got the the you know the Mahomes, the Josh Allen, the Tom Brady in him. He's gonna do everything he can to be there week one. He is, you know. Now they gotta save him save him from himself a little bit, like you're talking about. Where wait, is it week one? Okay, we can play, and you're good, totally a hundred percent. And we don't expect you to hit on all cylinders, or is it like, ooh, he's 88, 90%? And like you said, there's still a chance that if he does the wrong movement or does something like that, he could get hurt. That's where they got to save him from himself there, right? And uh, hopefully they do that. But, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I think Burrow will have the pedal on the metal to get back as quick as possible. It's really the question. That's the analysis at the end of the day. Do you want Joe Burrow less than 100% with the chance of aggravating the injury, or do you want to wait? until he's 100% knowing that there's a chance you're going to be 0-2, 0-3, 1-4. Who knows by the time he ultimately comes back. Well, and they're not yeah, saying anything right. about it because they don't have to. And ultimately, right. all they have to say in advance of week one, Wednesday, practiced, didn't practice, limited in practice, Thursday, same thing, Friday, out, doubtful, questionable, whatever. They don't have to tell us anything. 
He just is there. And and there is that short-term IR that's still available. They change the rules every year, so I don't even know what they are for 2023. Frankly, I have to go look them up and refresh my memory. But that is one option. If he's on the 53-man roster, as he will be, you could put him on injured reserve for a short period of time and then bring him back and have that roster spot for another quarterback or whoever. But it's just there was just enough in what Jamar Chase said to get me thinking, yeah. you know, Maybe several weeks really is several weeks, and we're not going to see him week one. Well, I don't think he brings it up if that wasn't close to the timeline of when they're expecting him to be healthy, right? I don't think he brings it up. You know, I, I think that's brought up in that fashion to go like, because he's heard around the facility, yeah, he might be ready by week one. So that's why he's going, yeah, we don't, then, then he should play it safe. Uh, that would be my two cents reading between the tea leaves and years in the NFL and how players talk and how what you hear, you know, in the building somehow filters out through your mouth in some way to the to the to the media there. That that would be my shot in the dark there. Uh, but but we'll see. We we will. And yeah, for right now, Mike, they're they're going to stay with what they got. They they believe in their team, and they're going to play. Hey, Trevor Simeon's played ball. We hope he can be smart, not turn over the ball, and we're going to manage the game instead of bringing Carson Wentz in, where they go. Hey, we maybe have more high end possibilities here, but there's a good chance he throws twelve interceptions in the first two or three games, and we are zero and three. And, you know, maybe we are better off with a game manager. I think that's the risk you take. And I think right now you just go with the, the, the guys that you've been with there. And they got Trevor Simeon. They're going to go with that. And I agree with you. I just wanted to engage yeah, in the exercise. Totally. I'm with pondering you, right? the yeah. possibilities. Right. Because, I mean, again, They're Trevor there. Simeon, nice guy. We've met him, talked to him. He's done well for a seventh-round pick out of Northwestern. He's done very well with his time in the NFL. But if I'm the Bengals – I'm not feeling very good about Trevor Simeon leading the charge into Cleveland to start the season or to to hold serve at home when the Ravens come to town in week two. By the way, at a time when we're waiting for Joe Burrow to get his contract, T. Higgins to get his, Jamar Chase a season away from being eligible for one. Linebacker Logan Wilson, third-round pick in 2020, signed a four-year extension reportedly worth $37.25 million. He told reporters yesterday that he hopes that they will hold this nucleus together. They've got a great camaraderie, and now it's time for guys to get paid, Chris. And, look, they're picking off the ones they can. The yeah. big one is Joe Burrow. Right. And I don't think this injury is going to have a damn effect of any kind anyway. They want Burrow there for the rest of his life. Even if he's hopping around on one leg for the remainder of his, of his career, they want Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, uh, uh, period. A hundred matter of time before he signs. You're right. You're right. They're trying to get these guys and get out in front of it, get them from the low a little bit, get them the money in their hand right now before they get to the free agent market. Logan Wilson's a hell of a player. Right. You know, the, 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 he's one of those guys that kind of goes overlooked because they got some stars on their team. They got a lot of cream of the crop there, but he is phenomenal in the middle. It's great to see him get rewarded for what he's done for that defense. Right. And, and you're right. It's all about Burrow's going to get his money. We know that they, they just want to keep Burrow and Chase. I mean, that's their Montana and Rice. That's the number one goal of the franchise right now. Aikman, Irvin, whatever. Go through the great combinations. Marvin, Marvin Harrison, Peyton Manning. That's what they want to keep. That's the number one thing. And it's get Burrow done first, and then Chase will be on deck, and you know, hopefully they can figure out T. Higgins along the way and, and figure out how to fix, you know, fit him in there. But it is Burrow and Chase, I think, that lead that charge for sure.
Hey, speaking of Montana and Rice and Harrison and Manning, I'm going to call an audible here. Whoa, Omaha, Blue 45, Omaha. Blue 45. What? What'd you think of my upper room, my Deion Sanders upper room? I liked it. I did. I really did. I, I thought it was a good, really good start, right? You know, without diving into it too deep, and maybe we could talk about this later in the league. Like, there were some guys that I think, like, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head that I go, I'd pr- I would have probably added a few more guys into that upper room list, right? But I thought that was a good start. It really was. You know, it was, uh, I-, I think you got for sure some of the, the, the basics or the marquee names that are just no doubt about it. And yeah, there's probably one or two others that I probably would have thrown in there. But yeah, good start by you. Good job. Way to contribute to the, uh, the, the website, finally. I ch- I ch- I tried to uh, I tried to apply that standard of if you have to think about it at all it's yeah, a no yeah if you got to think if you got to he who hesitates loses right gone nope thinking about it nope out you go and so uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how it it's a living breathing list which means I'm open to changing it next year we'll see who gets into the Hall of Fame we'll add some guys to the upper room every every year if I remember or if I continue to care. We'll dust off the upper room and we'll see whether or not any of the new members of the Hall of Fame get the VIP pass to the upper room. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. All right. Uh, Some news that came out on Friday. And, you know, Fridays in the summertime are a great time for bad news to be tucked into the into the cycle, and there were several suspensions announced on Friday afternoon, that wedge day between the preseason opener and the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. Here's Saints' Alvin Kamara on the incident that led to what ultimately was a three-game suspension for him. You know, I never want to be involved in something where someone gets hurt or severely injured or anything. Um, Poor judgment on my end. Uh, definitely a, a bad decision, but I'm a man. Everything I've ever done in my life, I stood on, and, and I, I, I can take accountability for it, and I can say when I'm wrong. And I was completely wrong, embarrassed the Saints, embarrassed uh, my family, my mother, um, embarrassed myself, um, embarrassed the city, and the Shield, obviously, embarrassed the NFL. So, you know, I just tried to do my best to kind <clears> of <throat> keep it as much away from the media and as much away from the team um, as I could. 
you know, obviously it's, it's hard to do that when, you know, you got such an um, uh, a incident like that. So, um, you know, I, I'll be lying if I said it wasn't tough. I've lost a lot uh, throughout this ordeal. Definitely not looking for any pity, not looking for somebody to give me a pat on the back and say it's okay. Um, I, know what I, I know what I did. I know what I was involved in. And um, I definitely take responsibility. And, you know, that's, that's part of being a man and growing. You know, from here, I just got to make the right decisions and, and make the right choices. So um, that's kind of what I got to say about that. Let me tell you what. Every professional sports team in the world needs to take that clip and file it away for the inevitable reality that someone's going to get in trouble. You want to show somebody how to properly own it, yeah. to properly take accountability, to properly stand up and not make excuses and not try to divert attention, but to, to be an adult, to be an evolved human being and express remorse for what happened and accept full and complete accountability and responsibility. That was perfect from Alvin Kamara. I have newfound respect for him after hearing that. Yeah, I, I mean, always knew he was a guy that, that gets it, right? I, you know, And then, of course, to play with Sean Payton in that offense, you got to be smart. There's a ton of plays, a ton of rules, all that, right? And the, he handled that like a true professional. Hey, it, it's it's unfortunate. It is, you know. Football players, you know, for the most part, you know, you, you come from a line when when people say crazy stuff to you. I think you and I were talking about this last week. Like, you know, there's a respect in what you say and what you don't say, and what you do. And when you do say it, it's like, what? You got something to say, right? It, you know, there's a little bit of that way, and. You know, people mouth off in society, and football players can be macho guys a little bit, and they would never say some of these things to another human, and they hear it, and they go, what the hell? You know, I've been there. You lose your cool a little bit. You do. You go, damn, you're really going to disrespect me out loud like that right here with me? Like, you know, that, that's a tough thing. Um, but either way, he did own it, and, and, and he's been about as little of a distraction as you can be with a scenario like this, and it sounds like... You know, he went in, right? He he guilty and was trying to get ahead of this thing from the start, right, Mike? I mean, he was negotiating. Hey, I did this. Let's try to make this work for both sides that looks right the right way, and let's get back out and play football, and uh, hopefully he can put this behind him. We saw this coming, and we talked about it. Yeah. When he resolved the criminal case, when he resolved the civil case, a point that we made was he can resolve his case with the NFL. Right. And he did. That's how this happened. There was no hearing before Judge Sue L. Robinson, no appeal process, no anything. He took full accountability and resolved the case with the league for a three-game suspension along with Colts cornerback Chris Lammons. He was involved in the incident as well. He accepted a three-game suspension. It was negotiated. It was finalized. The one thing I'd love to know is what the NFL said they would try to get because that's how a plea bargain works in any setting, whether it's civil, criminal, or administrative like this. Here's what we want. Here's what we'll settle for. And my guess is the NFL would have pushed for at least six, maybe more, if this thing had gone to a full-blown hearing before Judge Sue L. Robinson. Right. Remember, the baseline, the baseline for an assault under the personal conduct policy is a six-game suspension. So he got half of what the baseline is, and they apply mitigating and aggravating factors, and maybe he would have ended up with three anyway, but they didn't go through any of that. He met with the commissioner last week. They worked it out. He accepted it. He didn't fight it. He didn't try to say I didn't do it. He didn't try to force the NFL to go through the process. 
And that's one of the reasons why I assume the NFL agreed to to just stand down yeah. and give him a three-game suspension instead of pushing for something longer than that. Yeah, I, I would agree that that's, that's the case. And, you know, again, like, like we talked about with, with Cincinnati, hey, this is, you know, a, a big part of their offense. This is not only a guy we know is really talented at running, but, I mean, he's, he is awesome in the pass game. And they, they feature him in that, that part of their offense to where he can certainly help out the Derek Carrs of the world and that offense all all you know all encompassing to get Olave open downfield to get Michael Thomas good looks down the field he is a kind of the the you know the jack of all trades in that department here um, so we'll see the Saints are one of those teams we've talked about kind of flying under the radar that I think you and I both see some playoff caliber traits about their football team uh, and they're not going to have one of their best players the first three weeks, and it could end up putting them in a hole that they can't overcome. Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller, Dwayne Washington are listed on the depth chart behind Alvin Kamara. They added Jamal Williams in the offseason after he had 18 touchdowns with the Lions, and the Lions did not re-sign him. So Jamal Williams likely to get some work right out of the gates yeah. with Kamara missing week one against the Titans, week two at Carolina, week three at the Green Bay Packers as he embarks on what barring a restructuring of his deal after the season yeah. likely will be his last year Chris right. with the New Orleans Saints yeah I think there's a, there's a good chance you're right it's going to be a, some sort of restructure uh, and, and that's why they drafted this this kid Kendry Miller from from TCU you know one of the guys he reminded me of I think I said this to you last week or two weeks ago he reminded me of kind of an Alvin Kamara coming out of out of TCU and it was in the you know in an offense that we know you saw college football towards the end of the year they threw the ball a lot so I'll be interested to see how much he can get involved in the offense here early on you know split time with Jamal Williams or is he you know still learning to a point where they can't trust him early in the year but yeah at least they got Jamal Williams but uh yeah it could be thin behind that uh, you know depending on the the development of Miller Looking at his contract this year, his base salary is down to 900000 I assume that's because he did some sort of a restructuring. It wipes out any uh, – the suspension wipes out any remaining guarantees in his contract, but not that that matters at this point. I doubt there are many left. He had $4 million actually fully guaranteed uh, as of uh, – as of last year for this year, that wipes out. But still, they're going to keep him. I think they keep him this year. Next year, when his salary goes to $10.2 million is when he either restructures or he's gone. And they're still the favorites in the NFC South at plus 120. Um, but who knows? It's so wide open. Eight and nine were the Buccaneers last year. The other three teams were seven and ten. And the point we made, I believe, last week, because the Falcons finished technically fourth despite having the same record as the Saints and the Panthers they get the fourth place schedule they pick a couple of easier games up Definitely. than the others that could be the difference at the end of the day if you're trying to figure out how this thing's going to shake out the Falcons have an edge over the other teams yeah the, the, they do in that department but at the same time the Falcons the Panthers and the Bucks have one common question what can we expect from the quarterback play, right? And I think that's why the Saints are, are where they are. One, you know, hey, we see some still a good defense. They got a pretty good O-line, but they got a quarterback that's at least been there, done that to, to give us confidence. You know, I, I like Atlanta and all that. But, yeah, you know, we've talked about it. Desmond Ritter, he's certainly a question. Bryce Young, rookie, question. Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, yeah, it sounds like it's real, you know. 
I was there around a bunch of Tampa people to tell you that they said Trask has been practicing really well as of late, right? So he's obviously got on the radar or closed the gap to a degree for, for that many people to say that to me over this weekend, right? So uh, I think that's why the Saints are sitting in the, the so-called proverbial leader house, Mike, as wise people call it. <laughs> They'll have to hold that lead in the leader house the first three weeks without Camara. Wide open division, the most wide open division in all of football, just part of the fun that will be the 2023 regular season. Let's take a break. When we return, the NFC North pretty wide open with the Green Bay Packers and the great unknown of Jordan Love. One of his teammates took his back in a big way over the weekend. We'll tell you all about that next here on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 